coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast. Whatever you want to do, you can do. But all the thing that we have in common is this mind of ours. And you could be doing the best thing with the shittiest mindset. And you can be doing the worst thing with the best mindset. And your inner experience is what Three Jewels is really interested in. Hi, and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast, the podcast where you'll meet some of the most fascinating and incredible people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Louis Diaz podcast. Today, my guest is Hector Marcel. I'm super excited about this. Hector, you're the president of Three Jewels, which is a global enlightenment studio. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, we're the Enlightenment Studio based out of New York City, but thanks to COVID, we're everywhere now. Yeah, amazing. I want to to dive deep into the three jewels and who you are and what you do. But firstly, I have to tell the audience here that I've been kind of really captivated by you on social media. That's how I found you, which is, I guess, Mm. the whole everywhere thing that you're doing now. And the thing that, that sort of attracted me to you the most was what everyone could possibly see right now is that smile. I was like, <laughs> how? This guy has the most captivating smile. And I like to think that I'm a good judge for when something's being put on. And so I watched a lot of you. Yeah, I watched a lot of you. And um, I was like, no, 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 this is real. This is a real, this is a joy. This is pure joy manifesting <laughs> in this glorious smile that I can't seem to take my eyes off. Uh, What's your secret? <laughs> my secret is trauma and depression. No. <laughs> Start from the bottom. <laughs> Work your way up. It's, it's genuine, but it was, uh, but it's also had, has been often contrived, you know, like I'm practicing a, a, and contrived not as in like green and bare, it contrived as in be aware that you could find joy in almost anything. Even even the most terrible things can seem funny because it, 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 they can be so ridiculous in your life. And if you can activate joy there, at least that's the best you can get out of the terrible situation. So it's become a habit to look for the joy. And it was an instruction from from my teacher, you know, I'm practicing Tibetan Buddhism and I don't want to be a Buddhist. Like I'm, I'm the most reluctant Buddhist. And so one of the core practices there, this is practices called the six perfections is the active practice, which are a lot of instructions around a joyful effort. It's called joyful or joyous effort, which is having fun, doing good things, including overcoming the trauma and the terrible things. Mm. And so it can come off um it can come off shocking sometimes because people would like to wallow in their sadness. I mean mm. me too, you know. Mm. And so often people come to three jewels who come to me and they just really bring the ugly baby of their trauma or their terrible feelings for me to validate it or for other people to say, Oh, it's okay, it's such a lovely baby. You know, it's a freaking ugly baby and and if <laughs> if you could laugh at the baby <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Which you can't. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for 
It took a lot of faking it until I got real joy. <laughs> but it's true. Like I'm not, I'm not telling you that truth. It really is true. And so let's get straight into it. <laughs> no, 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 it's 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 wonderful. Actually, I know someone that had a baby recently. <laughs> analogy from here right now. <laughs> what a good start. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah, we got off to a good okay. yeah. Maybe uh, you can show me pictures later. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I will, I will. Yeah. yeah thanks. You'll be laughing all week. <laughs> Um, but yeah, look, I, I guess it's funny that you say that because I think that's kind of where you get to a point when you're trying to practice more of this mindfulness um, stuff as a novice, where yeah, yeah, yeah. you wonder like, where's it all going? Like what, what's, what's my, you know, like I want to know at least where, um, the destination is not because I want to sort of get there in a straight line. Or I feel like I'm capable of even doing that, but because I just kind of want to know, and I think that's it. Like I know that the road might be, you know, bumpy and rocky and getting there, but it will be. <laughs> but look, what am I aiming for? And if it's, and if it's something as beautiful, simple, and pure as laughing at, you know, the the ugly side of life, or <laughs> the things that are traumatic, or you know, that unfortunate baby. Um, it's, you know, I feel like that's a beautiful place to get to. And it's funny. It reminds me of actually, <clears throat> I, I watched this controversial interview that, uh, I can't remember what his name is, um, did with Shia LaBeouf, uh, recently. He's an, um, an actor, uh, is a guy from Transformers and he was talking about getting to this point in his life where he needed a lot of help and he started hanging around with these monks and they'd be driving to the shops with whatever money they had and they'd just look at each other and start bursting out in laughter just spontaneously. And I just thought, wow, I want to get to that place. Um, and so, yeah, it's really great to hear that, that that's... Yeah. The road to enlightenment is lined with obstacles which are usually bumps on the road in the shape of ugly babies. <laughs> And then overcome by just laughter, pure laughter. Contrived. If, if you can't, if you can't laugh at the tragic side of your life, then the tragic will get you. Yeah. You know, like that's the depth of it, really. Like, there's nothing that dissolves the tragedy more than laughing at it. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's so. I love that. I lo I love that so yeah. much. I remember when I was like 19 or something I was walking up the staircase and I was broke and I knew that my last paycheck at this bar that I was working at wasn't going to be enough to cover my rent or everything and and I suddenly said to myself you know what I'm not going to let this get me down like I was really at the end and I had I got to the point where I had no choice but to turn around my 
my mindset. Anyway, it turns out that um, that accidentally doubled my pay in uh, in that envelope. So I went out afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, like it, it's there are those times in your life, and I think like I like saying as a novice in the world of mindfulness, um, someone who's definitely on a self-discovery journey when it comes to these like trauma and all of that where you can feel that that shift in mindset has really benefited you in that one circumstance so yeah with... yeah it, it really has yeah. Like, yeah. but it's a practice that's why i said it, it's it was contrived of course you don't want to laugh when terrible things happen yeah. to you but enough terrible things happen to you it becomes a bit of a joke yeah to be <laughs> triggered by them you know yeah yeah i love that so talk to us about three jewels i'm curious about it you said it's because of covid it's become like a everywhere thing. yeah it's a massive thing mm. yeah um so I'll, t I'll paint you a picture of what three jewels is now mm -hmm. and then um one of the reasons i was really excited to talk to you was you're australian and i'm australian australian migrant you know me too and your name is louis is louis Diaz, See? right? Yeah. And my name is Hector Marcel. My name is Hector Marcelo Jerónimo Ochoa Peralta de Figurili de Malacaria, born in Argentina, moved to Australia when I was 10, migrant kid. Uh -huh. yeah. I knew it was Latin so, Yeah, yeah, it was from Argentina. Mm -hmm. And then I experienced 1978 or something, the Aussie racism really well. Like, mm -hmm. And it wasn't like we think of racism right now, but it was just there weren't too many people that looked like me and ate salami in the lunch room, you know? So, <laughs> so I got the rough end of the stick for a few years, mm -hmm. which sort of toughened me up for criticism. It was a really good blessing. And also, uh, anyway, I'll get, I'll get back to that migrant story okay. and my roots in Australia. Cause it's thanks to the Australian cynical state of mind where we question everything, you know, yeah. that it's helped me really discover the steps to a path that can wake you up. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then I chose very deliberately to practice in a system that was already established. And that's where I had to push my Australian boundaries because we want to invent everything ourselves, you know, and no one's an authority. Well, I had to challenge that for myself. And that was the hardest thing for me. So now, now I run this place called Three Jewels. I'm the president of the board. This organization is a nonprofit. It's been around for 26 years. It was started by this beautiful nun, this black nun uh, called Annie Palma. She passed away last year. Um, and it began as just a little place where you can go learn meditation in the 90s. And you'd sit there with a nun or a monk uh, from the Tibetan tradition, and they'd teach you how to focus your mind because that would help you be less stressed and more, you know, at peace. And now mindfulness has become everything and it's got research and whatever. So today we, we take care of about 47,000 visits a year, virtually and in person. We have a little flagship store in a really cool, sexy, lorry side area of Manhattan, sort of bohemian and also Soho sort of sexy looking uh -huh. everyone looks hot and young and i'm the old guy you know like, everyone's like models and <laughs> whatever but they they find refuge in three jewels got a little cafe at the front so you walk in there have a cup of tea and then uh there's this rose colored mirror wall at the back and you walk up to it and it feels like it's just a cafe and you walk up to this rose colored mirror and you see your reflection approaching you 
and then you touch the door which says enter the void bliss <laughs> and you you see your reflection being pushed out of the way and you walk into this almost psychedelic fluorescent colored room where you have to get rid of your shoes and your coat and your bag and there's restrooms and you drop everything and then you go through another door which is the enlightenment studio where people practice yoga meditation and workshops and we teach eastern philosophy and in that room there's nothing there's no images it's just a blank room with white cushions and it's the most poppy thing is your body on the cushion and so everything's about well who the hell are you and what's this body and mind doing on this planet and so people come for a kind of refuge to Three Jewels. It's an oasis in the middle of a really crazy town. Yeah. Have you been to New York? Like, do you know much of Well, it, as much as you can learn from all the movies, including Godzilla and all of those yeah, films that you have. The, the crazy thing about New York is when you see all those films and you get here, it's exactly the same. Like, they didn't have to act. They did, there's, no, <laughs> there's no dramatization. It really is that bizarre and sometimes a little bit more bizarre. Mm, like... Yeah. It's rats run around the subway dragging pizzas. It's true. It's they do it. It's oh, not yeah. like someone set it up. It's, so <laughs> it's like that's where you have to walk past to get on the subway. Yeah. You remind me, my childhood was what, like watching Letterman late at night and listen to him talk about the rats literally every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a real thing. And so then there's, we have all these iconic. So anyway, that's where Three Jaws is situated. But it began as this sort of give meditation free or by donation to anyone with a mind because anyone with a mind doesn't matter if you're homeless or if you're billionaire you need peace of mind so you can go about your life whatever your life is going to be so it's sort of a non-discriminatory way of equalizing the human experience you want to go and build buildings go and build buildings you want to go make babies and have children have children <laughs> little ugly babies you want to do <laughs> Whatever you want to do, you can do. But all the thing that we have in common is this mind of ours. And you could be doing the best thing with the shittiest mindset. And you can be doing the worst thing with the best mindset. And your inner experience is what Three Jewels is really interested in. Can you, can you work with your inner experience so it doesn't matter what's coming at you. You remain steady and in the highest view that you could possibly master. And, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, that is... The view on understanding how things actually function, meaning how do you really experience the world? Is the world really attacking you or is it you labeling the world as a suffering place or a terrible? And that big question gets answered through debate and whatever. Mm. But to summarize it is that there is nothing that's crawling around the planet, not an amoeba, not a dog, not an animal, not a human, not any other language human mm. that that doesn't have these two things in common. Everybody wants happiness, wants some fulfillment and moves towards it. Mm. And everybody wants to avoid suffering, hurt, pain mm. and moves away from it. And in that sense, we're a hundred percent the same. You and a dog, me and a dog, babies mm. and adults, angry people and happy people are moved by those two things. Right. Mm. And if you get that, and we find out, well, that's what we want, then the strategies to get that is the thing that differs, mm -hmm. you know? And if the strategy is useful and helpful, you'll end up with a smile, I think. Mm. And if you don't, you'll end up with a frown, you know? I have both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, enjoying the episode so far? Be sure to follow us and leave us a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. 
Thanks and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah it's funny. You know, that reminds me of, of something that just popped into my head yesterday. We want to, because we idolize so many people in modern society, especially, you know, with social media now, it's not just your, your big screen actors. It's literally everyone, yeah, yeah. anyone that's having their 15 minutes of fame. And I'm, I'm trying to long distance be a father to a 14-year-old who's now sort of coming into herself. She started hitting me with all of these really like, you know, profound quotes. I think one, one I wrote down here on a post-it note was, you might dread it, but you won't regret it. Um, it was her way of sort of trying to pet me up to do something I don't want to do, which was like my morning routine. But it's funny because I wanted to sort of say something to her yesterday. I was thinking about this little quote that I came up with is that you want to um, admire the people that have got a smile on their face after living a hard life, not after living an easy one. And I think that's what your frowns and smile reminds me of, you know, like, and also, um, that's wise. That's a wise way to look at it. Mm. But what an, what an amazing, like, what is, what are we in 2023 now? What are we? I keep forgetting. I have, I honestly, I've asked this question about a dozen times in this year so far. Um, but what a great evolution of the three, the three jewels, um, I guess, studio, starting in the 90s by a nun and sort of coming to this place where you've got, you really got your philosophy and what you're trying to achieve down to a T and that it's open to everyone and that everyone comes. It's really open to everyone. We have all ages, all sizes, all languages. I mean, we're teaching all the way to Taiwan, people from Australia taking our trainings and they're staying up overnight to be live on our trainings people from Mexico, Hawaii, South America, Central America, Ukraine, Russia, in the same room talking mm. to each other. It's incredible to see it. And, it's, and we're, not, we ha- we're not teaching anything groundbreaking. So just so you know, the foundation of Three Jewels, the monk that, that I met way back then, he translated the entire curriculum that Tibetan monks and nuns study in a monastic setting over 20 years. He translated that from the Tibetan into English for the very first time in the 90s when I was there. That's what I was there hanging out with him doing. And so for the first time in the 90s, the Western mind had access to the Eastern philosophical viewpoint of where reality comes from and what role human minds play to experience that reality and it's incredible content we like we think buddhism is woo woo close your eyes it's it's the furthest from that it's psychoanalysis and phenomenology and sociology and it's talking about how constructs of mind create experiences like it's it's incredible Mm. yeah it's neurophysics from an eastern perspective Mm. yeah so and, and so anyway, 20 years worth of study condensed into an eight-year course that we give at Three Jewels slowly over time. And we don't make up anything. We grab from that. And so, for example, one of those modules is the practice of meditation as, a, as an essential core practice because the point of meditation is to train your stupid mind that wants to think about a thousand things and just focus it on the thing you would like to place attention on. And if you had that power, if you had gone to the mental gym 
and were able to focus your mind on what the hell you really want to focus on and not be distracted by the next thought and the next thought and the next thought. If you could have that power, you would focus your mind on understanding how you actually get happy and how to avoid suffering. Right? That's the whole point of meditation. To sit with your eyes closed is stupid. It's dumb. Right? It's to, to sit there and if sitting there breathing was going to give you any relief at all, then everybody that's sitting and breathing should be relieved. <laughs> if passing out and just zoning out was going to help you in some way, everyone would wake up from sleep feeling extremely at peace. And some people wake up really shitty. And so it's not that. Meditation is a technique. So anyway, there's modules in that training, in the Tibetan Buddhist training and Indo-Tibetan training about how to move a mind, how to put it in the gym, so you come out of it after months of training and we're able to, and we're able to, I can multitask because I've got focus. No. I worked in a call center at once so I can listen and do at the same time. Good. I used to run call centers, Telstra, and then I used to run no Ergon Energy's call centers in Queensland. No yeah. You've come so I love far. call centers. But I interrupted you with my selfie. No, no, it's good. What I'm saying is one of those many courses that we teach at Three Jewels uh, or or the practices is the practice of meditation. So it's a gym for attention and focus yeah, and a whole bunch of other states of mind that we're able to have, right? So as humans, we can have an emotional experience, which is also mental of love, right? Mm -hmm. To actually love someone unconditionally is a possible thing for a human mind Mm. well buddhists say well you can cause that you can if you know how that's produced in your mind nothing to do with the ugly baby or nice baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) you could feel love for the ugly baby you know (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. if you can understand what it is that your mind does Mm. to make that leap and so anyway the the content at three jewels hasn't changed since the 90s what has changed is the dress up what do we do to talk about those very human conditions and how to transform them to joy or wisdom, yeah, to love or compassion and all the other disciplines of wellness, mental wellness. Mm. Um, and that's why I think we're so successful because through COVID, people were taken aback. I don't know what to do. My world is, I'm at home and all of a sudden I'm angry mm. and I used to want to be at home a lot. Nobody mm. wanted to be at work. They wanted to be at home. All of a sudden, everyone's at home, and now they hate it. Why? <laughs> it's really... <laughs> oh, Careful yeah. what you wish so for. True. You might get it so collectively. <laughs> so true. You know, honestly, we used to hate work, and like, yeah. I want to go home. Now everybody wants to get the hell out of the home. When we're never satisfied, and that's one of the things you get to understand. There is this, um, whatever you get in front of you, within a few seconds, you'll change it to suffering. And that can change. You can change that. Yeah. So that journey for me, I'm not teaching it because I'm some expert at it. Well, I'm I'm teaching it because I survived 26 years of trying that practice on, Mm. and some of it's rubbed off. I've got some insights about it is possible to transform a suffering into a learning, if nothing else, and maybe some cynical laughter if you're Australian. Yeah. And then <laughs> we just we, Americans still don't quite get, by the way, when I when I make my yeah 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 the, the, 
the cynical Aussie joker yeah. isn't uh, isn't fully understood yet. It's niche. It is niche. <laughs> um, you've got to you've just you've got to be invited to that party, I guess, to get it. Yeah. Yeah, it it really is. It leaves some people baffled. Yeah, and I have to explain. No, no, it was a joke. You see, we're, it's funny because. <laughs> uh, I, I love the way that you phrased it. I'm trying to sort of keep that while you were while you were. Lis- I was listening to you. I was trying to keep that. Um, I guess that tagline like a a gym for the for focus and attention. Was it? Is that the way you phrased yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. God. It's so good. It's so true. It is. And it really is. <laughs> Love that. Um, and because, you know what's funny? Like, I've always been into exercise. Uh, I got really sick when I was young. Uh, went to a naturopath. He told me to start doing push-ups. And so I became a little bit obsessed after a while with exercise and doing push-ups at home. And then I was like, I don't need a gym. But, and then something's happened. I think it's, it's like a social media. People are seeing lots more hot people on their screens and going, Shit, I need to be hot now. <laughs> so gyms have really taken off like big time here. I'm not sure about New York, probably even bigger. Same, same, same. People, uh, they need to move something. Yeah. And and it's, it's weird because I'm still in that phase of my life where I'm really not wanting to hit a gym because I don't feel like I need it. I can go and grab a tree branch and do some chin-ups and do some push-ups or whatever, go for a run. But I see all these people going to gyms and I'm thinking to myself, I see what you're all doing, but I'm not sure that this is the right gym for us right now. Like the one with the dumbbells is not really the one that we need. Like, yes, you're going to look incredible. Keep that up. But still, like you're going to need some something else. There's something else that you're looking for. Um, and I don't know where it is that you can get it, but now I think I just found out the three jewels. This, this is the most transformative thing that I... Okay, let's rewind. Hector, the... Yes, let's the, go back the, there. The, the migrant kid moved, moved to... Actually, we landed in Villawood first. I was telling you, Villawood, which is the detention center out Western Sydney right, somewhere. Yeah. It's now a detention center. It used to be like army barracks or airport barracks, you know, like those half tubes made of corrugated iron that was the hostel that migrants landed in and my dad was so depressed about it he argued he was a caring about it and argued with the thing and they moved us to Kuji by the beach and so that's where I grew up my dad had an incredible epiphany or pride I'm not sure but he said Argentina couldn't maintain me and my family Australia took us in we're Australian I don't want you speaking Spanish I don't want you having Spanish friends he said, F Argentina, we are Australian. So first of all, that created a kind of comedy of errors where we couldn't have any Spanish friends. Then the rule was we all have to speak English at home. And they didn't know English. At least we were going to school. The four kids were going to school, but my parents didn't know English. So my mum, I'm going to say a rude word in your podcast. My mum would go, come on, children, it's time for breast fuck. And so... <laughs> Because we were kids and we knew we heard that word in school as a naughty word, we'd sit there just cracking up and trying not to embarrass her because it's your mom and it was like full of respect, you know. And then she's like, "Why I say it wrong? Is breastfuck no good?" And I'm like, <laughs> and so we're like, she forced us to tell her, and she was so embarrassed. 
But then, like, she'd go to the shops and she's like, I'm looking for shit for the bed, to put shit on the bed. And we're like, no, mom, it's sheets, sheets. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, that was a, a, a funny side effect. But what it really did for us is it made us, it forced us to be Australian, right? To learn a different way of being. And so my, I think it was my dad's pride and that really, really helped. So once... Once those couple of years were overcome where I began to I stopped even thinking Spanish, you know, then I did the Australian thing, which is you finish high school and you go backpacking somewhere, you know. Most Aussies go to bloody the, the London. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. stupid. That's it. London. <laughs> no, oh, it's a it's a foreign land. It's not. <laughs> um so I decided mostly because I was afraid that I couldn't, like my English wasn't so good. I couldn't read as well. I was a dumb migrant kid. No one in my family ever went to university. So I was very afraid of going to university, even though that was the next step. So I decided to backpack for a year. Just do the Aussie thing and don't go to London, but backpack. And yeah. I thought, why don't I go back to Argentina? And the the cheapest way to do that was to fly through New York. And I hated America because at the time it was like American imperialists, you know, nuclear, Cold War, etc. Mm. So it was the last place on earth I wanted to come. And I, I was forced by this cheap ticket that I bought to spend four stops in the U.S. One of them was New York and I had to be there two weeks or something. Mm. So I bought the ticket because it was the cheapest ticket. And it blew my mind to stand on top of the World Trade Center and and see what humans conjured up from the ground, this concrete jungle filled with humans. I had never seen anything like it. And uh, quickly my Aussie judgment of, of Americans dropped away. And, and I realized, first of all, New York is not America. New York is the leftover from all the really cool people in America that don't fit in mainland America. They come to New York and be weird. And the same for all the Europeans and the same. So it's like this cosmopolitan thing. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I, I came here uh, on a backpack avoiding university. And on my second trip here, because I fell in love and I came back again, I did three years around the world backpacking. Mm. I was avoiding university a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, because some old guy told me, he's like, listen, don't do what all the other kids are doing. He was a friend of the families. He's like, you want a real education? Go travel and see what other people around the world are doing. See which ones are happy. And then you copy them. Yeah. Don't go to university. And I'm like, wow, he was a, he was a university teacher and I'm a teacher. <laughs> he's like, you're going to waste your time. You he had inside knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I did. And it really was an education. I saw the most incredible human beings all over Asia, all over South America or Europe. And I saw some really tragic humans and I saw some tragic 30 year olds and I saw some tragic 50 year olds. And it gave me real, like, I don't want that. And I, and you've got a career and you've got a house and I, I want that, but I don't want that. It was very good for me. Mm. But the, the biggest aha was I, I accidentally walked into three jewels on opening night thinking I was going to a housewarming party of a friend of mine and I walked into the wrong bloody party. And Annie Pelma, that black nun, grabbed my hand and saw my housewarming present in a bag. And she's like, oh, you brought a present for Buddha thing? And she dragged me all the way back. And I'm like, dress up party? Like I was a little confused. I'm in my 20s. I'm like, okay. So I just went along. Why is everyone dressed as monks and nuns? I didn't understand. 
And then I, by the time she made me make offerings to Green Tara, the statue of some Buddha, female Buddha, and she took my gift, <laughs> and I couldn't take it back because she put it on the altar and everything. She's like, oh, so kind. And I'm like, is this such and such a party? And she's like, no, no, this is Three Jewels. And I'm like, what's Three Jewels? And so then conversation started. I re exited pretty fast. I went next door, got plastered with my friends and had an awesome party. But that night I dreamt of Three Jewels and I dreamt of a girl I met there. And I went back the next day and I took my first meditation class because it was free. And I wanted to figure out, like I felt drawn to that. I wasn't looking for it. I was like, screw religion. Religion sucks. This place looks religious. Yeah. And this monk said, oh, so you, um, do you know anything about meditation? I'm like, nothing. I just know it's free. And he's like, okay. So he's like, so uh, do you think your mind is your mind? I'm like, of course it's my mind. It's my mind. Yeah. He's like, okay, we'll see if you can hold your attention and control your mind for just a couple of minutes. I'm like, a couple of minutes? Duh, it's my mind. I can do whatever I want. I didn't last three seconds of attention. And I, I knew it. I knew something was amiss. He's like, we can try again. And I'm like, like I was really upset. You know, like I realized I had zero control of this mind of mine. And it was doing all sorts of things. And the implications were, if I was so unaware that my mind was everywhere. And here is someone saying, you could actually train your mind to be placed where you would like it to be, which I thought that's what I was doing by traveling the world and doing my thing. There's another reality happening right here, right now for all of humanity and nobody can step into that door because they've got no control of their mind. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that, I just practiced out of sheer frustration, not because I wanted to be a Buddhist, just because I couldn't focus my mind on what the hell I wanted to for more than three seconds. Eventually, we moved to five seconds. Eventually, we moved to 10 seconds where I could hold my attention on the breath mm. and not be daydreaming about something else or lunch. Or, and it's a real gym mm. for the mind. And once you get that kind of focus, and in, in, in the Eastern traditions, you then learn that's called shamatha, single point of concentration, mm. and that allows all sorts of things to happen. Then I was hooked in the philosophy, but really rejecting the expression of that tradition. You know, it looks very religious. I don't want altars. I don't want deities. I, want, I just want the technology of mind. Mm. But I met enough Buddhist teachers through that struggle time, which was a couple of years. I kept going back. It's like going to the gym because you hate it and you know you need it. It's like that. Like the doctor said, go to the gym. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. You know, so I'm at the bloody gym, hating the gym, you know, but you, you're there long enough. You see yourself bulk up. Mm. You see the benefits of a healthier mind. Yeah. yeah. And after that, I was hooked in the philosophy and it was really humbling to have to drop my misconceptions of what looked religious, but was actually a metaphorical engagement with a green statue of Tara, which is supposed to represent in your mind a specific thing. And it's a very iconographic mm. system of just developing your mind. Mm. Once I learned that, I was hooked. Like mm. That's all I wanted to do. And so I used that technology to become a, a, a very effective organizational change manager in the corporate world. So I used all the Buddhist tricks, removed the Buddhist iconography, and then just worked with the psychology 
from the Eastern perspective mm. of how minds can focus and how minds can get to good outcomes. Mm. And then I became a pretty successful organizational change manager in Australia. And then I got headhunted to come back to New York and I came. And then I got asked to run Three Jewels. And so I've been running it now for 14 years. And I don't know, we have like 200 staff and volunteers, 50 teachers. We've got, uh, like I said, 47,000 visits. We yeah. reach all over the globe. And we're a nonprofit, so every cent that we make, we just throw it back to giving scholarships or giving, don't or, or taking meditation to places and people that won't get access to. So we'll go to homeless shelters, we'll go to schools, and because everyone with a mind can tame that mind, and it doesn't matter what your external circumstances are, you could really find peace mm. and focus. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that's a short migrant breakfast. To breakfast. To... <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Bless your mum. Jeez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's like the classic migrant story. Um, and it's it's so good because it's so common here. Um, but I just love how it's, like you said at the beginning, it's like, like a, a comedy of errors or something like that. It's... Totally. And, so and that's the awesome thing about the Aussie mindset. If it wasn't for the Aussie mindset that I was forced to learn things to my parents, I wouldn't have enjoyed the comedy of errors. Mm. You see, like we're pretty cynical. Mm. That can create a barrier and it did for me learning the Eastern philosophy. So, you know, I've gone and hung out with the Dalai Lama. I've studied with them. I know all these books that I met the teacher of the Dalai Lama. Like I'm in that world. Mm. Yeah. And it took me to peel away my Aussie cynicism mm. of organized religion and systems because mm. we know better. That was the downside of what I learned as an Aussie when I moved as a, as a migrant. The upside is it brought me this constant inquisitive prove it. What, how does it work really? What's the end goal really? Mm -hmm. You know, like that kind of Aussie tenacity that's like, okay, I don't believe all the bullshit packeting packaging but tell me the essence that cynicism and that looking to find the real cause that's helped me tremendously to peel away the cultural trappings of buddhism which by the way buddhism i, I hate being called a buddhist so i changed my name to wake upest because mm -hmm. the word bud in sanskrit means to awaken mm -hmm. so the buddha's name wasn't buddha his name was gatama right Okay. And but they called him the Buddha because he's the one that Buddhad, the one that Bud woke, Buddha, the one to wake up. So the real term means a person who sees the illusion of suffering and wakes up to it can transcend suffering and get to real happiness because it's somewhere here, not out there. Mm. So they called them a Buddha, mm. and they can call that person a Buddha, and that that person woke up, and that person woke up, and that person woke up, and so. I prefer a wake upist than a Buddhist because it's more true. And that's, I think that's thanks to the Aussie-ness. It's like, okay, don't give me the Buddhist bullshit. Give me the wake upist bullshit, you know, because that's more relevant. I can wake up. I can't be a Buddha, but I can wake up, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing, but it's the term has different meanings. Mm. Yeah, I think the other thing about Aussie culture that I've come to appreciate a little more since coming back from a, a short trip overseas was how we can laugh at a lot of things. It's a funny larrikin kind <laughs> it of really country. Is. It's defiant. Like there's like you'll be somewhere and someone will crack a joke. 
I do love that about this place. Yeah, it's awesome. You can just laugh at anything. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is why it's so great talking to a to an Aussie that's you know overseas because you get it. Yeah, no, exactly, and that that's why I wanted to come on the show because it really is the more nuanced Aussie cynicism, laughter, joke is lost on the Americans. Mm. Yeah, on most Americans. I am in New York, so I get a bunch of eclectics. Yeah from the US, but it's still the United States. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I, um, hi, all the US listeners, by the way. We love you. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> love you. Um, and so, um, oh, gosh. And what was the other thing that you said there? Oh, I, was, I just, just disappeared. See, that's my focus gone. That's okay. I can tell another mum story. So she um, she took my nephew. She took my nephew to the movies because she wanted to shout him, you know, a movie because he was a teenager and whatever. So here's my embarrassed fourteen year old nephew, and she's like, "I want to buy for you the food for the for the movie," and he's like, "Okay." So she turns up to the thing. She's like, "I want one big cock porn, please." <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, (laughs) you couldn't hide fast enough. (laughs) Oh, bless her, bless her, bless her. Oh, man. How many laughs she would have provided you with over the years? Too many, too many. And then she knew it at the end, so she just gave up trying. She just, like, took it on, you know, Mm. like, okay, I say like this, I say it wrong, it's okay. Mm. I've just remembered it was the, I just love those sliding doors moments that happen to us in life. You walked into the wrong party and look at you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it, imagine, imagine it's what. It's a t- tiny shift, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we talk about those moments enough or maybe enough, they happen enough or we realize them enough to sort of be able to reflect on how just beautiful that is how accidentally walking into the wrong door has literally changed your entire life everything my career like my career changed and grew because of what i learned in all those courses in the tibetan system and then my work to put it into organizational change consulting Mm. my personal life like the effects meditation has had on my mind what it's had on jealousy, anger, envy, and all those afflictive states of mind, they're all things of the mind, right? Imagine if you knew how to work that gym, you could still hear the echo of anger or jealousy or pride or any afflictive emotion, but you won't have the hook. Mm -hmm. So, So I still have moments where my mind would like to tell me a shitty story or some trauma from the past, whatever, and I watch it. Because I have this attention, I can see it almost in slow motion arising calling me for a fight and I just won't buy it. And it's, it's not because I'm some saint or anything like that. It's because I've trained my mind not to be hooked and to know the tools or the antidote to a specific state of mind that is afflictive. You know, that's the game. The game is at every moment your mind will move, which movements will hook you and trigger you and which ones will also lie to you. If you get that job, you'll be happy forever. That's also bullshit. You'll be happy for a while. Maybe, But what will you do when you get unhappy? Yeah, because if you put all your hopes on that only and don't realize it's your mind that's feeling fulfilled and nothing to do with the job or the partner or the career change or whatever, if you place your 
your hopes out there, you will be hurt. And that doesn't mean that that's not the vehicle for your happiness. Yeah. And this is the dichotomy. This is the thing you study about and meditate on. There's a state of mind that has fulfillment or unfulfillment. And when you understand it's a state of mind, you can make more of it. And it doesn't matter what's in front of you. You can feel fulfilled and you're free. You're, like that's freedom, the freedom from the hooks. You know, like it's incredible. But it's taken me 26 years to habituate enough to have confidence to get famous on Instagram. No, <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, like it, it's taken 26 years for me to be clear on what it's done for my mind mm. and be able to share it in a way that people get it, that it's not dogmatic. Because I could sit here and do, here is the Buddhist tradition, so I can do that. Mm. But that ain't, that is for a very specific group of people mm -hmm. mm. and not for everyone with a mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And speaking of Instagram and the way that you share things, I started to notice while I was sort of been watching some of your stories and reels that you are walking around the block in obviously your neighborhood where Three Jewels is based. So I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting to know the block pretty well now after watching a few of those <laughs> good, videos. Good coffee shops. Yeah. That's a naughty thing. <laughs> yeah. And you've been inviting some guests on your little sort of spontaneous around the block chats and you've been asking yeah. them questions and they've been sort of explaining uh, uh, providing an explanation for the for the maybe a challenging question that you might ask yeah. or that might be a question that might be challenging maybe for me to answer but it seems like maybe they're your students or they're people that are practicing at three jewels by the most part, they're my students. So that I've been teaching at Three Jewels this time around for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And I've taught those people, most of those people, I've taught all of those courses that the Dalai Lama learned. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's me as a teacher testing whether they can, they can respond with the philosophy they've learned mm -hmm. and, and then practicing that philosophy. Because it's one thing to quote what the philosophy should say mm. it's a very different thing to hear whether they've practiced it so as a teacher part of my job is to check the learning right because they they're, they're all the teachers at three jewels now i teach very little public stuff at three jewels i mostly teach teachers so these are the teachers that come and say hey we've got this going on or they're helping run three jewels and i get i i don't really i warn them i say we're going to have a video if you want something from me I'll, I'll ask you a question right and it's really for me to test and they they're up for the test yeah can you really tell me how to unravel a negative state of mind you know how do you get joy or all the questions that i know are fundamental questions and i'm so pleasantly surprised they must have had a good teacher no i'm so pleasantly surprised because they they're giving answers that are way more relevant than i would give them because i would give them in an old man you know, I'm 50 something. I know oh. I, look like, I look like a certain way. I don't hang out with the 20 year olds on TikTok. They do. Yeah. 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 So they're giving an answer that is inspiring for me to hear. And that's why I decided to do more of that. Because mm. it was just a spontaneous walking around with a friend. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? And we just started videoing and it became a thing. And it's, a, it's beautiful to hear them having internalized and then placed in their own language, their understanding of how they move their minds to yeah. goodness. Hey there, I just wanted to take a quick moment to say a huge thanks to you. Yes, you for continuing to listen. It means the world to us to have loyal listeners like you tuning in every episode. So at the end of the episode, if you haven't already, I want you to do us a huge favor and find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or TikTok, where you can catch additional content and grace us with your thoughts. 
We would love to hear from you. Thanks again and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm watching it and I'm feeling it while I'm watching it, how beautiful it is that they've been able to do that. But then something else popped up. It's kind of that, yes, you're testing them. And that's, I guess, the point of you inviting them on and seeing and answering that question. It's kind of like a circle of life thing that I'm kind of seeing because you've also, you've, you've imparted that knowledge and, and that teaching. Now there comes the test where they sort of prove that they've taken so they it on. It. But the, like the spectacular, joyful part of it for me was how much I saw you learning or realizing from what they were saying. It was almost like feeding back. It was like the feedback. 100%. And that is just like, wait, I think, I think um, Hector's doing something here that's just so important. It can't be underestimated. The teacher becomes almost the student again. I do, I do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if you follow the Tibetan tradition, mm-hmm. right, if you follow the Tibetan tradition of, you know, there's a reincarnated Dalai Lama and whether you believe in that or not, that's what they practice. Everyone that's ever taught the Dalai Lama will be his student in the future and vice versa. So that you go to your students knowing they will be your teachers mm-hmm. in a future life, mm-hmm. right? So there's this long game you play with each other where I'll pass on this insight, you hold it until your mind turns to shit, like all our minds will turn to shit on the human realm. And then when I meet you again as a baby, maybe an ugly baby, and then... Definitely an ugly baby. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> then it wouldn't you, be funny. You pour, that, <laughs> you pour that knowledge back into me, yeah, and I'll pour it back into you. And so there's this kind of contract in the Tibetan system where your students will be your teachers and your teachers uh, become your students. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. It kind of reminds me, I used to teach people how to skateboard a lot more than I do now. And it was, I would get to a certain, I got to a certain point where I could teach people pretty, like it, it was like clockwork. I knew exactly what to do. And I got to a point with one, with one student where I was stuck. I was stuck. And when I'm stuck in a lesson, it's like we're rolling along the beach and I'm, I'm observing something's not happening here. Mm. And I real I looked over and I realized that this person kind of wasn't breathing. They weren't, they were holding mm. on. And I was like, Oh, and it's, it's through, I guess that was through observation that, that this person's teaching me that, Hey, if I need, if I want to become a better teacher myself, I need to now start to read your body language and teach you how to breathe. And, and so I, I love the student teacher feedback loop that you've created yeah. because what it says is that there's no, like there's no, the destination isn't complete. People might look at you and go, wow, you know, 20 something years, uh, you know, president of the studio teaches all these teachers. And we have this, um, unfortunately hierarchical kind of mindsets in life. And I think what you're doing has reminded me that, Actually, if you look at it more like a circle rather than a pyramid, we're just all on this journey together. We're all just in different stages of it. I wish I could tell there's this. I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll try. Okay, I'll try. The essence of Buddhism, wake upism, is that things are empty of a nature. You've heard of that, right? Mm -hmm. Emptiness. Okay. It doesn't mean things don't exist. It means that this object doesn't have the nature you think it does. For humans, it's a pen. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I've got a puppy over here, it's a chew toy. Mm. So this is not radiating chew toy. Otherwise, we'd want to chew on it. 
it's not radiating pen. Otherwise, dogs would want to like write poems, yeah. right? Yeah. It is empty of chew toy. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have that in it. Empty of penness. If you put it on the side and all the dogs leave and all the humans leave, that you come up blank. You're like, what is it? Mm. But as soon as a human walks in, something in us is forcing us to experience this object like we intended it a pen. Mm -hmm. But something in a dog mind is forcing it to be experienced as a chew toy. They salivate. They think, why are you wasting such a good chew toy, etc. If you get that concept, mm. the natural consequence of that is we are projectors of our life experience, mm. not experiencing life this way. Okay, if that's true, and everything that we engage with our senses is like this, empty of a nature, and we know what could project the highest thing, then you could meet Buddhas every day. You could meet the most enlightened people every day if you knew what caused that projection. Mm -hmm. Or you could meet shitty people every day. You could meet happy people every day mm -hmm. if you knew what projected pen versus chew toy, mm -hmm. awesome person versus shitty person. You never meet a shitty person that wasn't your projection is Buddhism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Therefore, be a kind human being and generate the seeds that will force you to project awesome people. You got that as a basis, right? Mm -hmm. So this is just the intro. Yeah. If you get that, yeah. everybody you meet is somehow a reflection of some shitty or awesome thing you've done in the past. And so you want to see how shitty you were, see how many shitty people you meet and trigger you and how many awesome people you meet, right? Mm -hmm. that, that sends our world upside down. As a teacher of this stuff, I'm sitting in a room, 50 people, 100 people. With this view, I'm just looking at my past. Mm. Like the way I see that student and the way I see that student isn't student. The questions aren't questions. They are questions. Mm. They are not students, but questioners of my knowledge. Mm. They're like Buddhas inviting me to get wise again. So the way I see students... <laughs> They might appear as, oh, I have a dumb question about meditation, but I'm suspicious. I'm like, you don't have that nature. You're not. You could be a chew toy. I can see you as a regular shitty student. I choose to see you, which is the way I'll experience you in the future, as the most tricky, enlightened angel person asking me just the right question so Hector's mind can stop suffering. Thank you for that question. And so I'm having these epiphanies with the students who are just teachers for me. Yeah. constantly there isn't a wasted question there's not like a hierarchy in my yes and, and yet i'll play the game i'm i'm the guru teacher with the beads look i have the beads and i have the thing and that tells a story in a certain world mm -hmm. but privately oh my god i am surrounded by magic people asking me the most stunning things yeah to force my mind to wake up yeah yeah what a gift what a gift um i love that and so okay um, and by the way, when you said that you'd come back as a baby before, it, Hector, it would be, it wouldn't be right if you came back as a good-looking baby. I'd <laughs> be an ugly baby. It would just, this would, just would be there. Revenant. <laughs> you have to. I actually use one of those silly filters on on TikTok that makes you young, makes you a baby, and it doesn't like the beard. It's really bad. <laughs> Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was walking down the street the other day feeling overwhelmed. I mean, it's, uh, Melbourne's a big city as well, not as big as New York, but there's a lot of people 
And sometimes, and I think it's the process of me sort of, you know, this this process of self-discovery that I'm on, it's like sometimes you stop and think about this urban jungle that you put it, that you're walking through and all these other souls in it. And I started to have this like overwhelmed anxiety moment. And the way that I stopped myself or was able to sort of get myself to calm down a little bit was like, it's okay if you just see yourself just see yourself in every single other soul that you're seeing right now. There's a bit of you in them. And then I started to go, oh, happy person, shopping person, homeless oh. person. And I was like, okay, I can breathe. Yeah. Keep yeah, walking. Yeah. Keep walking. They're all. That yeah. is beautiful. That's an actual formal practice in Buddhist, in, in Buddhist practices. The practice of, of swapping yourself for another is a formal practice because it does that that job that you just did, it just gives you ease. If that person was me, all of a sudden, I'd think of them different. And you drop your yeah. shitty judgment, you drop your fear, because they're you. Mm. And there's lo lots of refined techniques. There's a shitty one. This is, I'll give you one. On the subway, packed subway, right? Your mind's like, ugly person, fat person, screaming, like it's judging constantly, yeah. right? Smelly person, whatever. Annoying headphone person. And so the practice is imagine a bubble rising above your head, advertising every thought to that person that they could read it. Oh, gosh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so a bubble appears above your head and it says, Louis, this is what I think of Louis. <laughs> and Louis could read it and you swap yourself for Louis and you read it like Louis. Instantly it changes the way you think. Instantly. Yeah. That's the that's the more punitive side of those practices. Mm. There's a more loving side of the mm. similar practice and same end result, which is, you know, can you see can you swap yourself for them and imagine what they want right now yeah. that would fulfill them and imagine you are them and and imagine they get it. Yeah. So then you send it on the breath. You send this kind of whatever it is that they're looking for, the baby's crying whatever the baby's crying about, you become that answer for the baby. And sometimes the babies will stop crying and sometimes the mothers will stop yelling and sometimes the person will stop being annoying yeah. as soon as you start doing that practice. Both are mind training practices mm. to shift a negative bias towards others and equalize the playing field. Yeah. So it's awesome that you just did that naturally, that you're like, how do I regulate this thing? Yeah, It's pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah, I, I guess I'm... I'm in, like I said, I'm in a process at the moment and I'm just, I'm one of those test and learn type of people, you know, like I'm curious, I, like, why do I feel this way? And what are all these people around me doing? Like, how do I stop this? <laughs> you know, it's, um, because I think like, if you, like, I'm, I'm glad to be in this place where I am, where I'm starting to experience and discover these things because it means that. I'm now, I'm becoming conscious. Um, whereas instead of maybe head down straight to work, ignoring what's happening around me, I'd rather feel overwhelmed and by taking a moment to, to look at what's happening around me than to feel like, I don't know, awesome in a bubble, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you're dealing with reality. Yeah, like the reality is the busy mindset. Anyway, it, it grows mm. and your capacity grows with it. Mm -hmm. And 
and you can do way more than you ever thought possible in terms of seeing other people as special yeah yeah um but you know what i've kind of i've left this kind of question about hector back in argentina uh (laughs) sitting in the back of my mind you you went back there and that's you know coming here as a venezuelan immigrant when i was four years old we didn't necessarily ditch the whole venezuelan south american thing but um we kind of did in in some ways i experienced racism too and so my brother and i needed to become as aussie as as quickly as possible um yeah, or yeah. face the consequences I actually thought it was a good thing to be honest i know it's not a popular view but it gave me a second culture that i could understand and neither was the answer mm. but together they were powerful mm. yeah. like I, I really that's what helped me be a cultural change manager so as an organizational change manager, i could understand the shadow side of aussie and the awesome side of logic and aussie and and the shitty side of spanish like everything's a freaking melodrama or a tango right Every, everything's like oh my god i'm a victim it that that that's not really helpful but then there's a bunch of emotional really powerful positive states of mind in that culture too so bring them together because i ditched one and became one and then i went back and i saw argentina through the aussie lens Mm. so how was that i mean was that it was overwhelming yeah first of all i saw the shittiness the old habits and i was afraid of them like i remember landing over Buenos Aires and seeing through the clouds, the dirty backyards with the chickens and, and I, and I saw poverty and I didn't remember it that way mm-hmm. until I saw it. And when I saw it, I'm like, shit, we grew up in really shitty circumstances and everyone down there is accepting it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that plane to get the F up. I just wanted it to climb up again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it kept landing. And I remember this fear, like I'm about to meet, a part of me that I'm not, that I left dormant. And I did, like I spent nine months through South America and I saw states of thinking that are unhelpful. For example, everyone complains in Argentina that the government's terrible and everyone's a thief and that's why we're all poor. And in the same sentence, they're like, that bitch down the road, she's got too much money. Let's steal her bricks tonight. Like in the same sentence, right? I'm a victim of theft. I'm going to go buy, I'm going to steal from the rich. Mm. And in my Western mindset, the cause of you being a victim of losing things is because you're actively taking other people's things away, which is, by the way, a Buddhist mindset. So I, I, you can't experience theft without your seeds projecting theft, meaning you've caused theft in the past. I know that's, we might take to other grounds, but that was one thing. But then at the same time, our romanticism, nostalgia and love for life arose Mm. in the smells of Argentina, in the melancholy of a tango, in the same place that I saw the shitty mindsets that I'm so glad my parents took me away from Mm. because now I, I could produce my future and I had opportunity in Australia and I could make a career and I had agency. Mm. There was no agency in Argentina even when I returned, but there was a coldness to being Aussie and there was a passion to being Spanish that it just ignited something. Oh my God, I fell in love so many times on that trip. 
mm. with anything that moved. I was just this love machine. Like I'm, yeah. I didn't know what to do with these beautiful emotions in my twenties, backpacking through South America, you know, um, at another podcast, I'll, go, I'll talk about um, being invited to love in a way that I'd never loved before. And that started in Argentina. Wow. And, um, How much more time do you have? <laughs> we don't have much more. <laughs> but it was amazing to unite those cultures. And mm. all of a sudden, neither of them were useful by themselves. Mm. And that gave me... Oh, if that's true for that, then it's also true for Asian culture. It's also true for every other system that we've put together. Mm -hmm. And then the only refuge, the only thing that I understood was the philosophy of how minds could create a culture, live in a system and experience that system within that box. Mm -hmm. And here's another box and here's another box. And Buddhism is just a bigger box that has all the boxes in it. It's just another construct that functions to do a thing. The common denominator in all the boxes is you have a movement of mind, a consciousness mm -hmm. that experiences the world based on how you've coded your mind. Meditation is the gym, but it's also the you go, you learn how to code. So joy arises where hate used to arise, where hope arises, where hopelessness used to arise. You do the coding, you wait the freaking time because nothing happens instantly. If you plant a lemon tree, you're going to get bitter fruit, but you're not going to get it straight away. Mm. If you plant a sweet orange tree, you're going to get oranges. They're going to be sweet. They're not going to be bananas. They're not going to be apples. They're going to be oranges. Yeah. The same flavor of what you do day to day inside your mind and witness yourself doing with your mouth and your body, like what you say and what you think and what you do gets recorded. And that recording in your mind projects tutorial pen. That makes sense? Mm. And we're constructors of our own thing. And when we do it in a culture, we're Aussie. Mm. And when we do it like this, we're Argentinian. Yeah. We're doing it like this, we're Buddhists. But we're one family of human projectors. Yes. Yes. I, I was having this really great conversation with someone yesterday where I'm from Korea. We just met. And, and she um, asked, she was asking me or we were talking about the world would be a better place if people could just, you know, see things from each other's point of view. And, and I said, I said, you know, that that's a lot of responsibility to ask of someone to suddenly go mm -hmm. from their bubble. That's maybe an Aussie bubble to go into your yep. Korean bubble without having sort of been raised in that way. And I think maybe the thing about both of us being Latin American immigrants to Australia is that we have this beautiful fortunate upbringing of being exposed to two completely different cultures at the one time which leaves you open to other possibilities and makes that i guess allows that jump from those two bubbles maybe into maybe buddhism a bit easier than it is for someone that's just been raised in the outback and doesn't have any other it's a, it's a lot to ask of that person yeah a hundred percent I feel that's why I started off. You asked me how, how my joy is. It's the trauma, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm joking because everyone's bloody trauma, this trauma, that with their trauma babies. But it was difficult growing up in Australia. Like my first day in school, I got the shit kicked out of me because some Chilean kid who I thought, who I sat next to, who I thought knew English better than me because he'd been there all of three months. There was no ESL in the seventies when I got there. So the teacher's just teaching and that's disrespectful for me to be a new student, not say something. And I knew I didn't understand. So I say to the Chilean kid very quietly, so I don't get in trouble. 
how do I tell her I want to learn, but I don't understand? And he tells me in his broken English, he's like saying English sounds. And I'm like, my first English words in the classroom, right? So I raise my hand, the class stops. It's all Aussie blonde kids, except me and the Chilean kid. She looks at me and she's like, yes. And I say, Miss, fuck off. <laughs> and her reaction told me I said it wrong. Maybe I didn't say it right, right? Like maybe the pronunciation wasn't right. Maybe it was more on the F, maybe more on the second F. The Aussie kids, all the surfer kids around Kuji, they're just on the floor laughing really loud. She got angry, drags me outside. I'm so confused. And all I remember is her finger in my face going, no good, no good. And I'm like, no good. And I got it. No, that little prick wasn't my friend, right? So I came back really angry. I mean, I'm going to get you. And then the Aussie kids are like, you touch you, my touch you. Like there was all this thing when she had her back turned. And that afternoon, I got that shit kicked out of me. Like I thought I was fighting the Chilean kid while I was fighting the whole class. I went home bruised. That was my first classroom experience in, in Australia, right? <laughs> First English words, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like now it's really funny, right? Like I, yeah. you could see how it was really traumatic, yeah. but that was like a initiation into Aussie jokes, yeah. right? Aussie culture, right? And now I can, like, that was pretty funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. But if I stopped there and wanted to take care of the ugly baby, then I could have been traumatized for the rest of my life. And oh my God, I'm a victim and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Bullshit. Now it's the best story I tell. Right. It's like, and it's actually funny, you know, but integrating into that culture was difficult for years. But every one of those experiences taught me something profound, yeah. right? Like you can't trust everybody. Just yeah. you don't assume things about like I learned so many things mm -hmm. just from that interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure after thinking about it over and over, that's not the first time that teacher had to deal with that. Yeah. You know, like she's like privately yeah. telling me no good. Yeah. yeah oh man it's been so good you've got a couple of things coming up i think was it the med gala yeah so that, that, last year we we realized that all our other wellness studios in new york meditation studios yoga studios other buddhist studios every single one of them in the lower east side of manhattan closed through COVID. closed yeah. people couldn't go practice yoga there and we were filled to the brim with yoga studios except three jewels. We stayed open because we were a nonprofit. People donated. We stayed open. We kept teaching. We went virtual. That's how we grew. And what we realized as COVID started to taper away is that all the people in those communities who have a place to go and meditate, whatever, um, didn't have a home. And so we created the Med Gala to troll the Met Gala, by the way, we did it the same week. So if you're going to the Met Gala and spend millions of dollars dressing up for the Met, for fashion, then you could do a little bit and fundraise for meditation to give access to meditation to people that normally wouldn't come, as well as gather the clan of wellness from not just New York now, but all of the United States and around the world, come and have one night where you celebrate what it would feel like mm -hmm. to have all the benefits of meditation and yoga. What would it be like to walk around as an enlightened self? What would it be like for Lou to just walk around and say, I've got no more shit to deal with. I just have pure joy. And everyone I'm interacting with is just pure joy. So we called it the Med Gala. So all the tickets go to fundraise, etc. And it was like we had over a thousand people. We had performers. We had people flying from overseas. It was a huge hit in a big sort of clubby warehouse. It's just a big party. 
sober parties. So no alcohol. Everyone, we have a massive uh, sit, like just for a few minutes, everyone just stops the dancing and we stay still. It's incredible. And everyone dresses up to the hill. I'll send you the link. But what's cool about this year and this podcast being Australian is that we've got a really cool, sexy hotel and airline who want to give away a flight for two and a hotel for two in New York City for the Met Gala. So we're doing a raffle that costs five bucks a pop or something. And all that money will go to give meditation to homeless shelters and scholarships and the rest. But if you want to a chance to come to the Met Gala in New York and, and get paid a flight to and a hotel to be in New York for a week, then you know, I know come to the Met Gala. Like I'll send you the raffle link. Yeah. And so that's it. It's a once a once a year, it's the biggest fundraiser for three jewels. And last year we gave away $130,000 worth of scholarships, mm -hmm. like training time for mothers and play, people that just couldn't come yeah. if we weren't helping them financially. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, we focus on BIPOC, LGBTQ+, folks with disabilities or people with financial hardship. Yeah. We do a big assessment and we always get way more applicants for all our trainings and retreats and so on than we can afford to give. Otherwise, we'd go broke if we'd give it all away. So we need people's help. Yeah. And it's a really cool party that brings everyone together around wellness. It's like, what's it feel like to be well for one night? Yeah. Just practice. Awesome. You know, so it's so cool. Yeah. When is it? May 5th, May 5th. 5th. It's okay. coming up in two months. Cinco de yeah. Mayo, huh? And Cinco de Mayo. I know. We try not to say that so people don't turn up with sombreros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, it, you know, it's not like it's fashion. It's high. It's, I'll, I'll send you. It's really yeah, cool pictures. Yeah, the mariachi band. The other thing that we've got happening is a retreat in Spain where we do a seven-day in-depth meditation mm -hmm. retreat. And that happens second after the Met Gala, second or third week of May, 20th of May. And so that I'll send you those links. Yeah, awesome. um, but also anyone can take a three jewels class because online it's free or by donation because we're a nonprofit. Yeah. So I'll send you that link if people want to take a meditation or a yoga class or just look at an old reel of baby Hector. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and people can find you. It's at wake upest on Instagram. Is that right? Yeah. And also wake up wake and yeah. also, uh, is it three jewels or the three jewels? It's just three jewels.org is the website yep. or three jewels NYC or spelt out T H R E E jewels NYC on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What was your last bit of advice for someone sort of embarking on a journey of, of this kind, maybe the kind that you were on where you knew that something was missing? Honestly, the older I get, the more I realize whatever game you're playing in your life will lead to a certain result. The corporate game will lead to that. The family game will lead to that. But all of those games have you in it. And please do not give up hope that you can transcend whatever shitty state of mind you've had to experience or endure. They can be overcome. And in their place, you can have just joy and certainty and confidence that is sustainable. And that you have to go to the gym for, but it's possible. So the biggest thing is like, I see so many people giving up hope and settling for the shitty job or settling for my relationship being this way. Everything's up for grab. 
if, if this is empty of a nature and it can be a chew toy or a pen, your relationship can be the most awesome thing or the most terrible thing. Your job can be the most empowering thing and shit. You don't have to change anything, yeah. just your mindset and everything changes. Mm. Gandhi said it, be the change you want to see in the world. You be something different, watch the world change. That's what the point of the Met Gala is too. What's it taste like? Just to pretend to be happy one night and dress up like you're just fully fulfilled. Mm. Get a taste for it because you, your mind can do it. Mm-hmm. Your mind can do it. Yeah, awesome, beautiful. Yeah, it's been one of the funniest, um, most joyful <laughs> conversations I've had. Uh, I'm sure all the listeners, mine and yours, are going to absolutely love this conversation. So thank you so much for joining me, Hector. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. Oh, I'm so sad that this has to end. Um, <laughs> there'll be more we can connect more yeah oh, we definitely will because I'm about to buy 100 tickets to the raffle <laughs> good <laughs> that'd be awesome if you came to the Med Gala and won that ticket that'd I'm be the only so... one who's buying tickets I'll see if I can yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't share the link <laughs> I'll be sharing the link <laughs> I know I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's been so good Hector and thank you so much and I'm looking forward to yeah getting this episode out there and, and being in touch blessing thanks louis hey there listener we'd love to know what you thought of that episode of the louis diaz podcast you can find us on instagram facebook youtube and even tiktok to let us know and be sure to follow subscribe and leave us a review on spotify where you can catch some of our other really great episodes thanks for listening and catch you next time